There we go. We are back again for another fantastic episode of Friday Night Counterattack. And it's a late night recording for me, but it's going to be a good one to listen back to because at the time of recording, uh, it's one of those days, it's one of those nights when I feel like, you know what, um, there's a topic that I needed to talk about, there's a topic we needed to have a conversation about. And as you can probably see from the title, it's probably not one of the topics that we would do by ourselves. So we needed to invite two football podcast hosts, two podcast legends in the UK podcast game onto the podcast to discuss this as well, because this is going to be one of our series that we're going to begin to do a lot more this season as well, which will be quite good. We are, well, we did actually do it at the end of last season, really, when we're talking about the streets will never forget um, Premier League players, the streets will never forget Champions League players. Um, but this one, we're going one step further. So we are going to go a bit out into the unknown from my point of view as well. We are going all the way off to Italy. So if you are listening and you have seen what we've been posting on social media, you are uh, right to come to listen to this one as well because Italy is where I've been this week, which will be great. If you've seen where I've been, what I've been watching, who I've been watching. So I'm really looking forward to um, getting into this one because I'll be looking forward to really understanding why and how some of these amazing players from Syria did not win the Syria title, the Scudetto. So... I need to get Paul and I need to get Lewis from my Football Hero podcast over to help me decipher the best five-a-side, my five-a-side versus their five-a-side collectively for who is going to be the best non-Serie uh, A winning team. So Lewis and Paul, Paul, we'll start with you. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you very much for your patience um, after my late arrival. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Hams. It's nice to see you. And always good to link up again with old My Football Heroes alumni. So it's nice to be stepping onto your pod tonight. No, it's going to be a refreshing one to get you on and to learn a different um, different background completely to Syria from what I've seen compared to what you've seen as well. And obviously from listening to your conversations about some of these football heroes that people have had in Syria, it'll be great to hear some of these players that you may not have had the chance to speak about as well which will be fantastic as well. And Lewis, thank you very much for appearing tonight um, on our podcast today. It's good to see you again. How are you doing? And are you looking forward to sharing some of your thoughts and your wisdom on this podcast tonight? Hamza, in the space of three minutes, you've called me a legend, someone with wisdom, and most ridiculously, you've called me a host. Uh, so, I mean... I mean, I can't even host an Airbnb. So like, uh, I just wanna, wanna thank you for those words. Uh, if, if possible, I will write them down and actually let people know that somebody said that. Uh, Put it as your tagline for your podcast, people love yeah, it. Yeah, well, well, I'm thinking more business cards, to be honest, even though I don't- <laughs> LinkedIn profile. LinkedIn, uh, lover, legend, wisdom. That's kind of what I'll go for, but- yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Uh, very, very good, thank you. Uh, I had a haircut about six weeks ago. I'm absolutely buzzing off it still. Uh, that's about that's about as good as it gets for me. Um, yeah, doing really well, and thank you very much for the invite. As Paul said, nice to have a My Football Hero Hamza and be on your pod for once. We don't normally do this, so this is, uh, this is a real pleasure. No, I appreciate it. Thank you both for your time today, and I'm going to look forward to discussing further with you because like I mentioned before as well when I was talking to Paul, this is a big generational gap in terms of how some people will be watching this because some of the players that we will be talking about, people think they played in Syria. They had a go at playing in Italy. I can't believe that they were there for even for a short amount of time. This is going to be something where 
I think even you and I will be looking um, to try and catch one each uh, one another out as well. So it could be the the fact that I may think someone hasn't won Serie A, but you could be like, actually, they actually won it one season back uh, okay. way back when as well. So okay, nice. It could be one yeah, of those yeah, where, yeah. by all means, if we need to be corrected, we'll be corrected tonight. But yeah. just for our yeah. listeners to understand a bit more of what we're going to do, um, I'm going to be discussing my five aside for the best players to not win Serie A. So the rules for this one is, well, for myself and for Paul and for Lewis as well, who are going to be acting as one team. Main rule is they have to have had to play in Serie A for at least one season. They cannot have won the Serie A as part of a reserve squad. So they can't have been a reserve player. Um, they can't have been in, in the squad as well. So if they haven't made any appearances in that squad, that's absolutely fine. But if they made the one or two appearances in that squad, that doesn't count. And you can pick uh, whichever five you want. Because as we do on Friday Night Counter Attack, we talk about five-a-sides in terms of if they actually are going to play on a five-a-side pitch at Power League or at goals or in the streets or in South London, wherever you are as well. So it doesn't have to be a goalkeeper, a centre-back, a midfielder, a winger and a striker. It could be four strikers, four midfielders and a goalkeeper, whatever combination you want to go for. Okay. We're all good. But I try and keep it a bit traditional in terms of it has a bit of flair and a bit of bit of me in it as well but those are the kind of ground rules that I'm laying down um Paul and Lewis do you have anything that you kind of want to add to this is there anything you want to kind of discuss before we begin yeah well I was just going to say Hams that first of all it really sounded in that intro a lot like you were calling me and Lewis old because you're talking about this generational gap and stuff as if we're mm-hmm. some kind of uh pensioners on the podcast here today taking it back to like <laughs> the 1960s and stuff just to confirm we're not we're not that old either just uh, to con- just me Paul you're just to confirm as well, matters. if you remember from our podcast <laughs> way back when, remember when I told you guys when I first started watching Syria in terms of our six society. <laughs> yeah, and if you yeah, remember yeah. how yeah, yeah. back it back way back when um I didn't have the luxury of watching all of these European games. So for me mm. to watch European football, it would only consist of watching it on ITV through Champions League or yeah, Channel yeah. 4 highlights mm. as well. So when I genuinely started watching Italian football was probably around the age of 2015, 16. So it wasn't one of those in terms of I got Mm -hmm. to watch all of these amazing players week in, week out. It was more in terms Mm. of I could watch these players in the Champions League or I could watch like highlights on Channel 4 or 5 whenever, Mm -hmm. but I never got to watch full 90 minutes of these games as well. But I know for a fact that from what you've told me and what you've told us on My Football Hero, you've had a lot more exposure, which has been great to Italian football. So that's why I'm relying on your knowledge (laughs) for both of you to educate me and our listeners a bit more in terms of some of these amazing players who never got to mm. lift uh, mm. Scudetto as well. Mm. Hopefully that clears it up and it doesn't make you... Yeah, yeah. Make but that is actually... You have made me realise that we actually are old because the reason we all into Serie A, Lewis, this is right, isn't it? Because it used to be the one thing that was on terrestrial television way oh, back in the day. Man. And that's kind of what suckered us in in the first place. So uh, that's why it means so much to me. And I'm sure Lewis the same also. Well, it's like that gateway moment, isn't it? I don't know if your listeners know this, but I mean, I am... Uh, 21, like a like a, it's a fact, you know. You look I, the I part was, as well. Thank you, <laughs> oh. thank you. I appreciate that, mate. Uh, Hamza, you're really doing well tonight, mate. I'm on uh, fire. Yeah, I feel good tonight, and uh, I feel I think like for any person of our generation of the 90s, Serie A isn't just like our, our kind of gateway into football. It's it was like a fantasia land. It, it was like the Premier League must be for people looking in on it now. It was it was a different universe. It was. Oh, nothing has been like it before or since. It's amazing. Even just thinking about some of the players that could have been on this list. Oof, legends. 
one more thing, if I can, Bohams, before we get into it. Sorry, I know I'm holding this up, but right. this was actually quite hard to do because mm. back in the peak Serie A golden era, they had this weird thing going where a lot of the players would move around the different big clubs. Mm-hmm. So when you try and think back to these legends who've never won a title, nearly all of them had picked up one somewhere along the way at one of the different clubs they've been at. We've seen it a little bit now, actually, in the Premier League, where the Premier League has got so much more money than all the other leagues. Man City, they're having to sell to other Premier League clubs and we're starting to see players move around the Premier League more. That used mm-hmm. to be the thing in, in Serie A. You know, someone like Andrea Pirlo played for AC, Inter and Juve, which yeah. to us seems pretty alien concept, but that was how it was then. They all wanted to stay in that league and if they needed to move, they were going to have to stay within the division. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You took the words out of my mouth as well because the fact of the matter is at the time, the only other teams that could kind of afford these players were other Serie A teams because some teams were looking at um, some of these Serie A players from outside, from England, for example, as well. And then these Italian players at the time or players playing in the Serie A were like, I don't want to move to England. I still want to be playing at the top level, the highest of levels. And that you both, as you both described as well, that was Serie A at the time as well. And no disrespect, mm-hmm. but... Even in the Premier League now, you're seeing what Aubameyang go from being an Arsenal captain, having Arsenal tattooed on his arm, to being a Chelsea player now as well. Raheem Sterling, Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea, all in one career, which is insane. But like you said as well, Paul, it's all because of the finances, who can afford who, who still wants to be at the top level. All of that comes into effect. So it's not mm-hmm. always going to be about, oh, he's betrayed his former team, he's gone this way or that way. It's because someone needs to afford these players who have done so well in their careers that they have to be paid a certain wage they have to be treated in a certain way as well. So lots to discuss mm. and lots to think about, but um, mm. let's get straight into it, shall we? So yes. I did challenge the both of you to have your own team, but as I mentioned at the podcast, uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you can both have a joint team because I know it makes it a bit more entertaining when you agree and disagree with someone on the podcast live. So um, I'll let you guys go first. Who's going to be your, this will be your wild card pick. So it's going to be five aside each. You get to pick one player. Again, they have to have played a proper season in Serie A as well. Haven't won the Serie A. Um, who are you going to go for between the two of you? Who's your first pick? So do we, uh, we're picking a team together, yeah? Yes. All right. You know I said off air, didn't you, Paul? You know there's one. Yeah, I know who you want in this team. Okay, and if you want to go old school, this is quite old school. Some notable omissions, Pele, Messi, Cruyff. They didn't win Serie A, uh, but we're not going for any of them. <laughs> The guy I want to go for more than any other is a guy who I think is maybe the most slept on player of all time, Zico. Did Zico, no, sorry, the rule was as well, they have had to have played in Serie A as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's played in Serie A, don't worry, that was, I was was taking the Michael. (laughs) Sorry, man. What was that noise, man? That Paul? Yeah, no, no, don't worry. He did play. He played for three seasons for Udinese. Wow. Zico, See, this Zico. is this is why I got you guys on because I had no clue the legendary Zico, the Brazilian yeah. great, played for Udinese. Wouldn't exactly. know what year, wouldn't know when he did. That's incredible. No. Please, please <clears throat> enlighten me and please enlighten us as well. This is going to be well, fun. Well, you know what a lot of people forget is Zico, if you imagine Kaka. Now, we've spoken about Kaka before as... Any a magical footballer. Mm-hmm. Zico is Kaka and Maradona combined. Zico is is a ridiculous player. He kind of gets lost in the ether because if we think of the 80s, especially in Serie A, where you had Hollet, 
Platini, Maradona, and Zico. Now, Udinese are the Italian equivalent of probably, what do you reckon, Paul? What's the English equivalent of Udinese? I know, they've had some good periods, but um, often all... they've been way down the league, haven't they? So, um, yeah. I don't know, really. Yeah, at best. They haven't even had the kind of glamorous periods that Newcastle have had, have they? So maybe more like a, Ever. a Villa. I don't know. I think that's a compliment as well, because at least Villa have competed for titles at times. I mean, Udinese have had some amazing players who have gone on and won Serie A. For example, Oliver Beerhoff was there. Mm-hmm. Don't mention too many. We might need them later. Oh, yeah, no, but I'll be of one area. Don't worry about that. I, I'm sticking to the framework, like glue. <laughs> we love it. But but Zico, it was the, the crown jewel on top of the 82 Brazil sides. He went to Udinese. Another thing about Serie A that was so crazy was the owners. So the owner of Udinese, in a classical Italian move, ended up going to prison for tax avoidance. And he was, trying, he was trying to launder money through investing in a company that sponsored Zico. So he put loads of money into trying to get Zico into Serie A. And he was, he was amazing for them. He was absolutely amazing for them. Zico's speciality was free kicks. Mm-hmm. He was one of the first to do the knuckleball. Uh, he's truly one of the best uh, footballers of all time. And he, play, he played for the Italian Aston Villa at its peak. Uh, he was there from 84 till 87, I believe. Uh, didn't, win, didn't win Serie A, didn't win a Coppa Italia, never played in Europe. Basically just was incredible for a lower league team in a way that maybe you'd compare to when Badjo was at Brescia. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, he's a player that the streets need to remember. Not they don't forget, they need to remember him. I mean, you know Paul as well, don't you? That 82 side. Zico's Zico is one of the best players, uh, not just of his era, but arguably of all time, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. And he had that amazing thing of looking a certain way where no mm. player would ever look like that now. He just looked kind of old and just um, looked unathletic, but was also like really a kind of elusive, always stepping ahead, a kind of often compared to Johan Cruyff in some ways and some of his style and things like that. So, yeah, an amazing player. And um, it wasn't as guaranteed that a Brazilian player in that era would have come to Europe necessarily. Mm-hmm. So for him to have, have graced Serie A, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it was a big deal. And, um, yeah, really, really kind of glamorous player without looking obviously glamorous. I don't know, man. He had the tight shorts, the shiny legs, the mullet. That was that was the main thing at the time. It was like a sort of Brazilian Kevin Keegan for a bit. The thing you've got to think, though, and this is what I say about Serie A, we spoke about the glamour of previous generations. Imagine a league where Zico, Hullet, Platini and Maradona were all playing in the same league at the same time. I mean, yeah. that's, that, and, and playing at times for really random clubs. Udinese, even Napoli historically are not very big clubs. You know, AC Milan, when they got Hullet, they weren't actually a big club. If you look at the overseas players that didn't win Serie A before that for AC, you're talking people like Trevor Francis, Mark yeah. Haitley, you know, Luther Blitzer. So when you look at kind of the impact of money, they're the first league to harness the idea of owners in the way that we have Abramovic, people like that. And Zico is that Hail Mary pass from a small club with a mad owner uh, that kind of summarised the era, really. Zico was 
arguably the best player of the 1980s in general. And that's going to be your first choice. Are you right probably... with that, Paul? Yeah, definitely. Great choice. Are you sure not mentioning Luther Blissett or Ray Wilkins didn't get it for you? Well, yeah, I mean... Des, Des Walker. Yeah, I mean, all the, we could do an English one one day, but I think uh, probably... Yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Let's see if any Jay English players make it, Hams. I think mm. people get bored when it comes to like Jay Bothroyd as well. And you see Mika Richards at Fiorentina as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Joe Hart. Joe Hart as well Joe will be Hart. insane. The man yeah. behind me, which we won't mention because it will be a spoiler for the people listening as well, which mm-hmm. will be good. But no, it could, it could be something we could talk about one day, but not just for Italy, I think in just in general, mm. because there's not many yeah. English players that have um, flown the nest basically into different mm. countries to play, unless it's for a pay packet in USA or China or something. But mm. we'll see how that kind of goes. But no, Zika, what a great choice and what a great way to learn more about him because I genuinely never knew that he played for Oh, amazing player. player. Check him out. Honestly, amazing player. And a player that looks like he could play today. Amazing player. Zico is one of those that you only just know about through Brazil, through the World mm. Cup and through whenever mm. Brazil are playing because he always gets mentioned. He's got mentioned in terms of how he used to be a manager for like Japan mm. and he has was in Saudi Arabia <laughs> and stuff. But one of those where I'm just kind of there, like I just, it's just one of those players you identify as a nation, but I had no clue who's at Udinese. Mm. So great shout there, Lewis. And great way to start the segment. So Zico's on your team. Mm-hmm. My wild card has to be someone who I think is one of those players that I think, you know what, you can only applaud what he could have done instead of what he actually did do. He's someone who you could you could look at him and you just think, wow, when he's playing. He was a joy to watch. He was someone who not many people would, would really want to hate. They would always kind of appreciate this kind of strike, that this kind of mercurial menace in the box, this mercurial one-on-one uh, player that you could take, you could take on anyone. His step-overs were magic. He was from a a magic country in Brazil is someone who I think if it went his way, he could have won everything and more. He could have been one of the greatest players we've ever seen. And for me, who only saw the kind of latter stages of his career at Real Madrid and at AC Milan, um, I'm just kind of there looking at him thinking, you know what? Ronaldo? Are we saying Ronaldo? Because Ronaldo at AC Milan, did he win the league at to be honest, Ronaldo is actually the correct answer to the question. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he is uh, or was absolutely ridiculous and probably the single biggest reason I got into Serie A. I got into football with 98 World Cup. The star of that for me was Ronaldo and needed to find out where he was playing. He was playing at Inter. Inter at that time were amazing team who were like the almost team, you know, the nearly team. They were always uh, second, third, losing uh, losing big games against Juventus and ending up, uh, you know, it was often a lot of controversy around it, but they were, they were so close so many times, had so many stars. Ronaldo, it was the biggest one of all. And for me, we're in, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, mate. No, I was just going to say, um, with, with Ronaldo as well, um, Again, just, just from the outside looking in before, I got to really remember what he did because my first experience was watching him in the 2002 World Cup. And I know there was that big phenomenon of him playing in that 98 World Cup when he was injured and how there was a conspiracy theory about how Nike wanted him to play injured and stuff like that. But a lot of people do forget. I think it was 1998, that was when he won the UEFA Cup against Lazio as well. So even in that same summer, just at the beginning of the summer as well, 
that was when Ronaldo literally did his iconic feint past the goalkeeper. I forgot his name. Yeah, that uh, was absolutely ridiculous, that game, mate. Yeah. That's that, all-timer. That was one of those where I can kind of remember watching the game and I can just remember fragments of it, just watching it on our TV. I can remember the fans celebrating crazy. I can remember the the trophy lift at the end of it. But you re- remember Ronaldo with that goal. That Ronaldo goal was something special. I'm pretty sure in that season as well. That was his first season at Inter Milan, 97, was it? 97, yeah, 98? Yeah. yeah. 97, 98. And then he went for a world record free of $27 million uh, at the time as well, which is incredible. And again, just breaking the world record transfer fee, which is fantastic. And I think he had moved from Barcelona. So he had left Spain. He had been at PSV, which is great. And for all these people that talk about Kylian Mbappe is great. They haven't seen greatness when they look at Ronaldo compared to Mbappe. That's just my opinion. And I'm always one of those guys that backs Thierry and Rio over Mbappe. But mm-hmm. when you're looking at Ronaldo, it goes to show that with all this hype around Kylian Mbappe, and I did like him, I do quite like Kylian Mbappe, but you don't love someone like you love Ronaldo. You don't love someone in terms of how this Ronaldo just transcends football for me. And that's why you see some players and some legends saying Ronaldo is the original Ronaldo. He is the one who does this so well and he does plays the game so well. He plays with freedom, he plays without fear. He strikes fear into everyone. And that into Milan side as well, I'm sure the both of you will know a lot more about it than I would. But I know that was the kind of start of their new kind of era with Toldo coming into the teams and Eti coming into the team as well. And it was one of those where Ronaldo ended up leaving for Real Madrid and he had an entire season, if I remember correctly, off with that horrific injury when he was at Inter Milan as well. But during that time, I think his last season when he was there was when it was kind of make or break for him in 2002. And 2002 was when he actually moved to Real Madrid um, after the World Cup, and they won the World Cup in 2002, Brazil. But, um, yeah, Lewis, let's say your thoughts on R9. No, well said. Uh, first of all, he's also probably the best player never to win the Champions League as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, as on a club level, his, his absolutely crazy season at Barcelona as well, won everything apart from uh, La Liga. His only title was in uh, Holland and Spain. Do you know the story regarding his last season, in particular his last game, uh, with Inter. Basically, no, I, I need to be educated on this one. Well, 2002, basically, he'd slowly come back to fitness. People thought he'd never be the same again. His knee was the real problem with him. He basically came back in 2000 from 98. That was the time when he came back. After eight minutes in a Coppa Italia game before the other season, he actually did his knee in again, was out for another year. He had finally eased his way in in 2002. On the last day of the season, Inter Milan were top by two points. Ronaldo's last game for Inter. So this is how close it was. And they were 1-0 up and then they lost with two goals in the last eight minutes against, I think it was Lazio. And they gave the title to Juventus. And his last image as an Inter player is him on the bench with his hand, with his head in his hands like this. Because he'd been signed, like you said, Paul, to give them that victory. They were the team of upstarts. Morata had spent more money than anyone in the history of football club ownership, mainly on strikers. I mean, the list of strikers that was crazy. Ronaldo was a level above all of them in a way. He was the equaliser with Juventus, Lippi, everything like that. Uh, so his last game was him mourning the loss of not actually winning Syria. So it's quite fitting that he's on this list for that. And also, at his peak, and it's a controversial statement, but his absolute peak in Barcelona early Inter 
probably the greatest player of all time, I'd say. Ballon d'Or winner in 97, wasn't it, as well, when he went yeah. from um, Barcelona to... Yeah, Bar- uh, Barcelona to Inter Milan in 97. And then 2002, went from Inter Milan to uh, Real Madrid. So literally that yeah. beginning phase and that end phase of Inter Milan was when we saw Ronaldo at his greatest. Here's yeah. a question for you. One question. Who's a player that unsurped Ronaldo as a world record transfer? Who's a player? Yeah, who unsurped him? So Ronaldo broke the world transfer record in 1997. To go to yeah, Inter he Milan. broke Maradona's record in Syria. I'm not sure in terms of the world. Um, oh, no, that, that had been smashed for years. Ages ago. But okay. who broke the world record transfer? It was Alan Shearer, Ronaldo. Who broke the transfer record after Ronaldo? Was it another, was it another Brazilian, Lewis? I think you've got it. Oh, okay, okay. Rivaldo? Should have been. Shouldn't have been this guy. Yeah. Nah. The Nielsen. The Nielsen. The Real yeah. Betis transfer. Yes. Oh, my days. Filth. <laughs> Never heard from him after Real Betis, to be fair. Nah, that nah. was crazy to see. Nah. Hamza, have you ever seen the Nike adverts, by the way? Yeah, so Ronaldo's in it, the Nilsson's in it as well. That was probably when we got his greatest fame, not from Real Betis or from that 2002 World Cup, from that (laughs) one against um, Portugal in the stadium with Eric Cantona there as well. Yeah, there's that one, yeah. The Ole one, which was really fun. Iconic advert to watch. You're watching it for days. Was that the one you were on about this? Uh, The Brazil Airport one. Mm. That's a good one to have. That's uh, that's Ronaldo at like his peak with Nike, everything. That's amazing. That's real okay. at the moment. Just quickly on Ronaldo as well, though, Hans. You said about Mbappe, and I do remember the first time I saw Mbappe playing for Monaco, gave me the weirdest deja vu of young Ronaldo. Because sometimes people call Ronaldo the fat Ronaldo. Mm. But back in the day, way back, he was well, super skinny. He was super skinny. And... um. When I first saw Mbappe, I just he did this kind of a step over, which was like the Ronaldo. It was the Ronaldo mark. shimmy, basically. The yeah. Ronaldo step over, scissor go on the outside. Yeah, that's what and, he does. Uh, yeah, saw Mbappe, and it gave me the weirdest deja vu of Ronaldo. And um, I mean, they they've sort of they they're different. They're living in different eras, though, so it's hard mm. to compare them, and they're in completely kind of different trajectories. But Ronaldo was just a really really magical player to watch and we've spoken about him on my football heroes a lot of times people in their kind of mid-30s really can't look past him and even people a bit older than that like Zlatan Ibrahimovic are obsessed by him yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. now he's the guy isn't he? and he's the best player probably never to win Serie A he's uh he's an all-timer and he's the best and right answer like you said Paul yeah. Ronaldo Jesus Christ all right, so we've both got our wild cards in. This is where we both go two for two. So again, we've got four left to go for. So for the both of you, you obviously get one pick each going next as well. So instead of me going and then you going and vice versa, you get two in a row, then I get two in a row. Um, and then okay. we're left with two each at the end, which would be good. So by all means, go through yours and hopefully you don't saw the guy behind me as my background. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, don't worry. So... I don't know what you think, Lewis, but he's just picked Ronaldo, so I think we better go for a centre-back. Paul, this is your shout, man. I took Zico. I, I was selfish there. I'm yeah. just going to conf- I'm gonna be a consigliere on this choice. All right. Well, I think um, the selection of Ronaldo has forced my hand, and I'm going to mm. pick a centre-back. And I don't think anyone could deal with him, but this guy would have as much chance as, as anyone. 
Um, and it's a player who probably people would assume did win Serie A. He never did. He's won the Champions League and he's won league titles in two other countries, I think. And the guy, you will know him well, Hans, yaps down. Oh, did he not win it at AC? I didn't. No. Did, he didn't win it at AC. He wasn't at. Was he not at? La- was he not at Lazio? Or- no, no. Lazio was. Um, Lazio won it. Uh, the year he was at United. So oh, that's it. That's yeah. it. Two thousand one, I think was, it must um, have been. Yeah, two thousand two thousand because two thousand one was. Yeah, Roma. He, that was ninety nine two thousand. He won it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. That was it. Uh, that they was won it. He, they won yeah. it. Sorry. Um. Yeah. Okay. So Yapstam in Italy. Wow. I mean. Obviously, as we all know, he went to join Lazio after insulting the Neville brothers in his autobiography. <laughs> Which he was <laughs> right to do. I'd rather have that time than on Gary Neville. I do that quite Sorry, a lot. Yeah, we, I mean, we do that a lot on My Football Heroes yeah. podcast. So I think um, I think maybe, hopefully, we'll get a move to Lazio or somewhere. But I don't know if that's how it works for the rest of us. But now he went, he went to uh, Lazio then. And as you said, Lazio had won the league Um just uh, recently before that, and they had a real star-studded team. But um, actually, by the time Stam got there, they were heading into a kind of terminal decline. They had loads of financial problems. Mm. And so in his first team, first team he was in there was was a great side. And uh, he partnered, his centre-back partner was Alessandro Nesta. Mm -hmm. And if you talk about a centre-back partnership, that is like... That is, I mean, the only thing you can compare that to really is the Vidic and Ferdinand partnership. You know, one super hard, scary guy and one like real silk, super baller. Mm. Amazing, amazing partnership. And I've heard Stam say that when they started playing together, they didn't even need to say anything to each other. They just knew how to to play as a partnership straight away. Um, And the other thing that's cool about them at Lazio is um, Nesta, he always wore number 13 and Stam wore 31. So they were like a kind of weird mirror image of each other's numbers as the centre-back pairing. Mm. So, yeah, they were really good. But then soon after that, um, players started to leave Lazio. I think when Stam got there, Nedved had already gone. Um, but then during Stam's time there, uh, Nesta would go um, and all oh, the yeah. other guys really, yeah, Crespo, Mendieta, Chiesa, all those guys were just gradually oh, going. Geez. And then also another bad thing about his time at Lazio was, I don't know if you know about this, Hams. I know, Lewis, you'll remember this. The whole weird era of Nandrolone scandals. Yeah, like... Now you've got to educate me on this one. All Not right. heard that at all. Go for it, man. So Nandrolone was this weird um, kind of performance-enhancing drugs. I don't know exactly how it worked, but there was mm-hmm. a little spate of loads of Serie A and Dutch players particularly seemed to get banned from it. There was others too, but there was a load of loads uh, of players. Oh, I believe Nandrolone was like the masking agent, wasn't it? So they're all fan. You know, like a masking yeah, agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. So, yeah. so basically what they were doing in like these these gyms in Italy was essentially giving them allegedly, I don't want I don't want this podcast getting sued. You can sue me, as Rocky Five says, sue me for what? But like um so it's a weird reference, but basically Nandrolone was like a, a masking agent that yeah, essentially but it, it showed up on the test, didn't it? That was precisely, thing, yeah. precisely, yeah. yeah. So they're all basically like East German swimmers from the seventies. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he did a ban for that. I think about four or five months while he was at Lazio. Yeah. Also, also, you know, with uh, taking steroids, one of the side effects is your hair falls out. So Yapstan might have been doing it for a while. 
Yeah, that would be a bit of From a giveaway childhood. in this case. Mm. <laughs> oh, again, again, we don't want to get sued, but uh, luckily no. we're not on our podcast tonight, so it's all on you this time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'll get the lawyers on retainer. We know how it is, yeah. on there, which is good. Yeah. yeah. But then after that, after the Lazio thing, obviously, mm. then he went to AC. And um, and who was at AC? Number 13, Alessandro Nesta. Mm-hmm. Luckily, number 31 shirt was available and they reprised the partnership, reprised the numbers and um, the partnership, you know, came back again. And um, amazingly, with with that centre-back pairing, um, you know, they reached Champions League final, but they never mm-hmm. won the Scudetto. So I don't know if he can handle the peak Ronaldo, but he's the best hope that we could possibly have. Don't you think, Lewis? I think uh, I'm really surprised by that because I just assumed he'd won it. You know, did he move to uh, AC in 04? Must yeah, I think, uh, yes. Yeah. I think he was there kind of 04 to 06. I think two seasons How mad there. Is this? Listen, for anybody who wasn't around at the time, how crazy is this? A back four, Maldini, Nesta, Stam, Cafu, a midfielder, Gattuso, Pirlo, uh, Seydorf, Kaká, Shevchenko, Crespo couldn't win the league. Like, mm-hmm. and with Ancelotti as a manager. I mean, yeah, I think Stam was... Uh, just a just a sensational centre back, a real a real enforcer, a real kind of a fearsome player. Actually, I think he left the Premier League too soon, uh, and also, like you said, somebody who played in some crazy sides. The player that I pondered for this, and it's kind of a weird one, is Cannavaro actually, because Cannavaro he did win the league, but it got revoked with another scandal, Calciopoli. Uh, so like he can't. I don't think controversial one. Man. You've got Cal Chopper on that. Yeah, I can't pick him. But I think Stam. You'll be hard pressed to find a better centre back not to win a league, and having been there for a couple of years as well. He wasn't a one season wonder. He was. He was there for I think about four or five years, wasn't he? Yeah. So yeah. No, amazing player, and I think is he re- like an amazing pick. I didn't even ponder that. That he hadn't won the league. And I think, yeah, when I think of peak Italian football, I think of the 05 AC side. Stam and Nesta is, is quietly one of the best centre-back pairings I think the game has ever seen. So just to confirm, you're not taking Fabio Cannavaro? Right? No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can. And I think Stam, uh, Stam possibly on drug regulation shouldn't be in, but he's in. <laughs> If if Stam's there on drugs regulations, I think I might steal Fabio Cannavaro. You know, oh, okay. You can take him. You can I was, take. I, I was going to take him. You... He was on my list because. But put an asterisk next to his name. Yeah, I'll put the asterisk <laughs> on it on the graphic. It will be kind. It will be kind there for me because he was literally my guy that I was thinking that you were going to describe mm. as the one centre back that could keep up with Ronaldo. And there's that famous image of Maldinho and Cannavaro. Slide tackling between R nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well. classic. That's classic. Oh, that's from that's from the ninety eight. Um, must be no, nah, it can't be ninety eight. Must be from I think it's from the tournament before the ninety eight World Cup. That one. Letourney. Oh, Letourney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So that was that. So again, his his bite with an asterisk because he obviously did win the uh, Scudetto, but that was the one year where Juventus actually got relegated for um, all of these allegations where I'm not going to mention because. I don't want to get this podcast. Oh, you know what, man? I think they did the time for that. I think you're all right on that one. That's okay. If if they've done the crime, they've done the time. I'm good with that. But yeah, Yeah. literally, it was the same year as well, if I remember correctly, 
where he won the Ballon d'Or 2006. He actually won the World That's Cup right. with Italy as well. And yeah. that was the one season oh. where he could have won the league, won the World Cup and won the Ballon d'Or all in the same year. So that's me sneaking one in, even though, because I know you mentioned him. I was like, nah, I was quiet there. I was like, you know what? If these guys <laughs> are going to mention Cannavaro and they take him, I'll be heartbroken. So mm. Cannavaro is sneaking into my team, man. Nah, that's nah. who I'm going to go for. Nah, we're, we're the curious over here. We're not We're not, We're not. not going to have Cannavaro on this team because yeah. he his, he was stripped of that title. So you can have him on your on yours hands. That's all right. <laughs> that's okay. yeah, He's, uh, he defaulted, in our opinion. We are... <laughs> Almost, Who is almost. he with before Juventus? Was it Inter Milan or Parma? Inter Milan, and they swapped him for a goalkeeper called Fabio Carini, who had trials at Portsmouth and it was unsuccessful. It's one of the mm. maddest transfers. And then Parma was his, his goal. That, that was, yeah, that was the one before. That was where he kind of built himself up at as well. And yeah. goes to show, like you said as well, players going between club to club to club uh, because yeah. it was the time when it was it, which is crazy. Oh, yeah. You know, Stam and Cannavaro both uh, quietly actually a little bit slept on as well, really. I think Stam was your typical centre-back. Stam was your typical monster of a centre-back. Cannavaro was, uh, you know, like Martinez, no, man, you... Yeah, a little bit of Cannavaro, like a Diet Coke version of Cannavaro, if that makes sense. Cannavaro is the kind of guy that... Fails drug tests and he gets what was it? It was, he was in tax evasion as well. Fabio Cannavaro. Oh no, in. but that was Italy at the time. You know, what I mean, we haven't even spoken about the fake passport scandal as well. This was Italy. You know, this, this is still this Italy as well. Yeah. Crazy indeed. Yeah, um, that was. That's how it is, which is good. And again, something to do with like um phospho creatine. I think I heard once upon a time, which is something. Yeah. Again. That was yeah. I think that was um. I think there was one thing when there's literally footage of him just with yeah. a drip, with a drip in his arm. He's just being into. Is he getting injected? Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it's like a it's it's yeah, like a drip. sort of like drip, yeah, like a kind of fluid mm-hmm. thing, and um, that's really weird. And that was that wasn't part of the Calciopoli scandal as such, mm-hmm. but that was all around the same time when it really seemed like Juventus just had decided to do whatever they wanted in order to guarantee that uh, success would be sustained. But yeah, I mean, that maybe we shouldn't get into too much. So I'm not too sure about the... the we'll go back to football. Of... We're going straight yeah. back to football. This is going to be a very dangerous podcast and we may yeah. get the Italian mafia on our podcast through yeah. the likes of social media and through hacking as well, which we don't want. Yeah, um, we don't want any bots. We do not want bots. We don't need some Italian bots coming through to our podcast this evening. It's not I reckon it would be terrible to be honest, Italian bots, but that's my opinion. And everything is opinion-based and everything we've said is alleged. alleged. Exactly. Alleged. That's our disclaimer right there. Right, back to you guys as well. So we've both gone for two. Um, again, just go for two in a row unless I need to steal someone that you haven't picked just to make it easier for us mm. as well. Who have you got for us, Lewis? Uh, okay. All right. Well, I'm going to be a bit boring and probably just make a side if that's okay. What do you think about that, Paul? Yeah, for some reason, I can't take it if it doesn't yeah. look structurally uh, proper. You know, when we've got a centre back, we've got a attacking midfielder. So, yeah, what are you going to go? You're going to go for a keeper or you want to go somewhere else? What have you got at the moment, Hamza? Have you got, you've got a centre back? Uh, got a centre back and a striker. striker. Yeah. I think I'm going to go for. Stam. I'm going to go for a bit of a weird one, actually. I'm going to go for Edwin van der Sar, actually. Edwin okay. van der Sar. Hamza is not happy. 
Uh, that is another one you stole from me. Yeah. See, this is what I told you, Paul, on the messages before. Yeah, this is yeah. why it's such a good one because I'm just mm. kind of there like there's no way in hell they'll get two for two from what I've just chosen already. Yeah. So you got Cannavaro to jump in and steal him. Van der Sar, I'm just kind of there like... <laughs> hold on, hold on. You had like an intervention with Cannavaro, man. I love that. We were just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh, I need to take him. I need to take him. But Van der Sar, you... Van der we, a guy, so we had the first together. pick and we didn't pick Ronaldo, so we did you a that's, big favor there, man. That's that's that's, 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 that's pretty kind. Yeah. yeah, Van der Sar, Lewis. I mean, there's some good keepers, but Van der Sar, mm. obviously OG, you know, isn't he? You know, when you do a draft and sometimes you focus on the weaker positions, I feel most Italian goalkeepers we think of are one Serie A, like you said about the little microclimate with Serie A, Toldo, obviously Buffon. Most of the big keep Peruzzi, he was amazing for a while. Uh, Paliuca, you know, most of the great goalkeepers have won Serie A. The outstanding one is probably Van der Sar. And, you know, we spoke about all these players who are undoubtedly great and they kind of balled in Serie A. Van der Sar was kind of not really rated when he was in Italy. He came into Juventus to a place, I think it was Peruzzi. And he'd stayed at Ajax for a while, actually, after all the other players had left. He had been there for the long haul. Like, he was the last of the great Ajax side to leave. He left in 99. He was meant to be, or that it was intended that he was going to be the replacement for Schmeichel. But instead, they went for Mark Bosnich and Taidi, uh, which, yeah, worked that shit. Almost swore there, but I won't do it because it's a family-friendly show. And we don't make no, you can swear because that was a fucking disgrace. Stuff you <laughs> <laughs> now, I think about it, right? He left in 99, Schmeichel, and then when did we mm. sign Van der Sar? 2005, right? Look yeah, at all yeah, the years yeah, yeah. that we missed out on being great because we didn't have a great keeper. No mm. disrespect to Tim Howard, uh, Roy Carroll, Fabian Bartes, who we had at Quite the Quite a lot of disrespect to them, to be honest. David all so. of them came through the ranks and none of them stayed because they couldn't hold down the number one position. And when the goalkeeper... Mm is being rotated in and out the side as well. That's how you know a team isn't serious as well. It goes to show with anyone, when you've got a great keeper, you have a very great foundation to build on and to move forward with as well. And it's no surprise there that we only won, I think, one or two titles in that time um, with Bartes and goal for one of them. And I think we did have, yeah, I think it was Bartes for one. I forgot who our other one was. It might have been Mark Bosnich was our number one keeper in 2000. And, uh, one, I think it was. Talking drug scandals. Jesus, Mark Bosnich. Mm. No, we're not talking about any more scandals. We're not in, any more scandals. We're you not know, doing that. Uh, to move away from Man United, and the we you use for that doesn't represent me because I am not a Man United fan. I am a Swansea fan, a real glory hunter. Go for I it. I think that Van der Sar, I think the story of him as well at Juventus is like a sad story. Basically, he was like there when Juventus were terrible. Like they were, there was a game in '99 when uh, against Perugia, when Juventus had basically sealed the title, and it started raining loads. If you remember, do you remember that, Paul? Yes, yes, I do. As uh, Perugia was, wasn't it? Yeah, you yeah, said, uh, yeah, yeah. Perugia when Lazio won the league. Yeah, it, yeah. Juventus had tied up with Van der Sar in goal, and then it just started chucking it down. And the ball, the 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 referee just kept throwing the ball into the puddle. <laughs> See if it bounced and stuff. They came mm. on, they fell apart. Again, like Ronaldo, Van der Sar came second from winning the league. And then he was like discarded of when they got Buffon. It essentially fobbed him off to Fulham of all things. So if you want to talk the moment that Man United could have got him, surely that was the moment. But what a brilliant keeper. 
what a brilliant keeper. What what a real complete goalkeeper, a, a ball-playing goalkeeper. Probably of all the goalkeepers Man United have had, the keeper that they'd want the most at the moment would be Van der Sar. Um, just really unlucky with timing, I think. I think he could have got into any side in the world at the time. He just chose a side that wanted the shiny new thing that was Buffon, and he was jettisoned. Uh, and he didn't yeah. really, he didn't really have a place to shine till he's about thirty-five when he joined Man U. Yeah, and don't forget with the Buffon deal, that was something out of the future at the time because yeah. goalkeepers in those days they would go for kind of the best goalkeepers would go for like seven million. I don't know why it was just like completely different currency for them. And then the Buffon deal was something which was incomparable to anything that had been seen before, wasn't it? It was mega money a mega move and uh, really changed the landscape. And I mean, obviously you can't argue with that because he was, I mean, possibly their greatest ever player. I don't know if you could say that about a goalkeeper, but a phenomenal part of Juventus's history. So big, well, big, um, big decision. Yeah, a decision that probably paid off in the end, but cruel on Van der Sar. No relation to Tim Krul. Not an opinion of Tim Krul on Van der Sar. But also, like, that record he said about the value of goalkeepers, that record stood for 2001 for Buffon until uh, Edison went to Man City. That just mm -hmm. shows it, doesn't it? Like, a, you know, that's like the same bolt of length of transfers or length of records. I think Van der Sar was just a, a top keeper, a top keeper that any league he should have been in for a season or two should have won the league. Simple as that. A top keeper who really didn't have a good time in Italy as well. Uh, through no fault of his own either. It also goes to show how it doesn't mean that you're a bad player if you're playing at a top team and you're not doing well because it just goes to show that he did really well at Ajax, obviously. He did very well um, going forward towards Manchester United at the same time. So it goes to show that this player, Edwin van der Sar, who everyone now knows and loves to be in such a great Man United hero, especially in 2008, could have had his career go very differently if he didn't leave Juventus. He could have been there as a backup keeper and he could have just kind of, in a way, rotted in a way as a mm -hmm. second keeper, but he actually made it so much easier for himself to develop himself further and to move on to a club like Fulham, who actually took him in, which was great. And then what happened from there, he moved to Man United. So that's a nice little segue into a very happy ending for Edwin van der Sar. Can I just say one thing about van der Sar, though? And this is like the primacy of uh, the Italian league for like our generation. I don't think he's rated as highly as people like Buffon that he should have been simply because he didn't do it in Italy. That's like in people's minds ingrained that if you didn't kill it in Italy, you're not thought of in the same way. That's how much the league kind of impacted that generation. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, so now who have we got in your team? We've got Van der Sar, we've got Yapstam, we've got uh, Zico. Zico. Yeah. Got a Dutch yeah. influence there, which is great to see. Mm. But also, you Man United have... influence as well. Good yeah. Man United influence yeah. there as well, which is quite nice. Um, but no, you've now forced my hand because after you picked Edwin van der Sar, I'm. Why did it go? Never mind. Um, I'm not going to go for my backup keeper who was Federico Marchetti because there's no comparison to Marchetti to Edwin van der Sar. So that isn't going to happen. Right. I'm going to go for all out attackers, all out midfielders as well. Let's start with David Beckham, throwing David Beckham in there. He won La Liga, if I remember correctly, at Real Madrid. He won the Premier League multiple times at Manchester United. 
that he didn't win for AC Milan in the two loan spells that he had there as well, which wasn't great for him because in that second loan spell that he had, he got injured and he actually got ruled out of the World Cup as well, which was crazy to see. Actually, no, I think he had one loan, but he went there against a train. So I think that was the official line of David Beckham when he went to um, AC Milan at the time. So David Beckham is one of those players that I always back. I always think he's fantastic. I think he's a fantastic role model for footballers around the world in terms of how you can handle yourself on the pitch and especially off the pitch as well because you've probably heard this on My Football Hero and I remember telling Paul at the time I wanted him to be on my top five or top six for Football Heroes but you're like ah no we'll go for someone a bit different because we always get David Beckham so I'm just kind of there like you idiot now I don't want to do the podcast (laughs) when I typed back I was like yeah no I I was typing back I was like yeah fine I'll think of other people but (laughs) now my time to speak of David Beckham this is my wallpaper for anyone listening who hasn't seen the videos yet so yeah David Beckham definitely deserved his time in Syria to be one of those guys who wins the league. Um, I think he won the league with PSG eventually, which is good. He didn't win the league. Um, I don't know if he won the league in LA Galaxy, but he definitely won the league at Manchester United. He definitely won the league at Real Madrid, which is fantastic to see as well. So for me, David Beckham is someone who people can learn so much from him, how he played on the pitch, how he gave everything, every single damn game when he was 34 playing against Lionel Messi in centre mid PSG. Mm against Barcelona when he was 19-20 on the right wing for Man United wearing a number 10 shirt as well. But that mm. season or two at AC Milan when he was on loan, he was with the likes of Ronaldinho, he was with the likes of Pato. He had a Bate at right wing back as well that he could feed off as well. Sometimes when he's like a more, more of a quarterback than anything with Andrea Perlo next to him as well. So he got to play in a midfield three, which is fantastic. And Ambrosini kind of holding it down in there, mm. which is really good to see him. It was refreshing to see David Beckham in different countries as well because as we mentioned earlier on this podcast we could do a podcast on all of these English and British players going abroad but David Beckham was kind of the modern connoisseur for that as well he used to he was the England captain at the time he was someone who had played really good football at Manchester United he had a falling out with Sir Alex Ferguson went to Real Madrid and then he went to LA Galaxy and then from LA Galaxy he needed his fix of football during the winter who better to go on loan to than AC Milan the team that he had at AC Milan you mentioned off the cuff to start in 11 back in 2005. Angelotti, I believe, was he still there? Or was it the season after when he moved? I think he moved Ancelotti. to Chelsea that season. Angelotti went that season, yeah. Yeah, so it's a different AC Milan looking side that Allegri. he had as well. Allegri, that was it. And then you're just kind of there looking like that was the one, for me, I'm not going to count any of the England Euro 2004 and uh, 2006, whatever it was, as they should have won a tournament. That's if spots and maybes. But for me, if he was there for a full season or two at AC Milan, they definitely would have won um, a Serie A Scudetto as well because they won it in 2011 as well. I think they may have won it in 2013 because that was when Juventus were coming back up as well. Inter Milan won the treble in 2010, I think, which was great to see. So realistically speaking, David Beckham needed to be in my team. And I think it's more passionate more than anything having David Beckham in my team, but I needed him to actually be there to represent how well a football player can be even in this modern age of social media and how they can be in terms of off the pitch and dealing with so many things off the pitch. Like his former teammate, Ryan Giggs, is going through something ridiculous at the moment because of him. Mm. Players at Man United are going through things even worse. Most players nowadays have to deal with social media more of a, more than ever. And David Beckham was the original kind of football celebrity of a, the modern era. The original one for me was George Best, but the original of the modern era was David Beckham. And he's handled it like a champ ever since. So... David Beckham's in my team and he definitely would have been one of one of the players to win Serie A. Given him two seasons, he would have won it. Mm. Yeah, you gotta rate the clubs Beckham 
played for, you know. He kind of went to the uh, the biggest or most glamorous team in each league each time, didn't he? Going obviously he was at United, then goes to Real Madrid, probably the ultimate out of everything. And then he goes to LA, kind of really had a huge impact out there. And then, um, yeah, the loan picks to PSG, who were a real uh, force emerging at the time. And then AC, just why not? Just go and add his experience to that that lineup, which was an amazing thing to see, actually. And he, he was kind of sometimes... He's a weird player who's sort of overrated and underrated in different ways. And You love him, don't you, Paul? You love Beckham. Well, I think Beckham is like... Not that many English players, I think, would actually be able to go to AC on loan and kind of do well straight away. He had something about him where he could just step in, do a job and do that in all different places. So, you know, I think he deserves a lot of props for that. I think, you know, you said that it's a really good point as well that people forget. It's like, you know, you said about the first celebrity footballer. Like you said, George Best is probably the first celebrity footballer, but David Beckham is like the first self-aware celebrity footballer. You know, the first footballer who knew his value, knew his brand. And... uh the moves to Milan, the moves to Paris, the moves to, like you said, Paul, pretty good locations. But also, this is somebody who still performs. You understand what I mean? Like, you can go somewhere almost to sell your brand, to see a lot of the stuff we see now, which is monetizing individuals. You see it with NFTs, stuff like that. But Beckham was, like, also good. You know, when you go to clubs, Beckham was, like, performing and he was part of that ac side as well that had loads of amazing 32 to 34 year olds it was so a bit he's... earlier than that as well to be fair because he went for two seasons so interesting because you had perlo at around 29 before he, he reached his age his twilight age of going to juventus you had stayed off there but with the with the old nester as well yeah. with the elder ones as well that's probably i think i interrupted you too early there but those are the kind of early 30s, mid-30 plays, the Maldinis, the Favalis, the Zambrosas, the Inzaghis as well. And people like Ronaldinho stayed off. They were still early 30s or late uh, 20s. And that was really good because that was the first time he went, the first season that he went. That was the last season Kaka was there as well. So Kaka got to play with David Beckham as a teammate, which was sick. And then the season afterwards, Kaka obviously went in that world record transfer move to um, Real Madrid. So yeah, sorry to interrupt, but that's something I need to kind of understand in the way that it was elder people at the back and there were the Perlos and the Sados were still in their early 30s, late 20s, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you are right. You are completely right. I think in my head, I just assumed they're a lot older than they were at the time. I think it maybe you're right. I think later on, I'm thinking if you look at his second year, I think they were, it, it, it was an elder side, I'd call it. But Beckham was like... Um, he got so good that he got back into the England squad as well for a period, didn't he? Through his form for AC Milan when people had uh, kind of written him off at that point as like a top level player. So he had these spells where he'd go to like boutique clubs, I call them, like, you know, grandees of football and ball and perform at a level in a different country as well, a different tactical style, which showed like a, like a modicum of quality. And that's the thing about Beckham as well. It was quality, playing for quality sides, performing well. I think it's a good challenge. And I think if you like a player and you love a player, you'll put them in your team as well. So I think it's it's not one of those suggestions where you think, oh, that's a bit of an emotional choice. It's a logical choice, I think. I think he fully deserves to be in. And he was unlucky not to win the league as well. He, he could and should have stayed for another year, I think. 
It would have been so good if he did. He did two loan spells. I think they ended around March time, so he could go, go back mm. to um, the USA. And obviously that second one was when he had that injury and he got ruled out of being in the England squad. And that's why we saw him in the in the touchline with the assistant staff as well for England in South Africa mm. as well. Paul, anything to finalise on David Beckham before we move on to your next choice? Uh, no, you know what? I think you guys have summed him up well. And I think we said this before on our podcast, Lewis, but that David Beckham free kick stance is just oh, yeah. such an iconic sight when he was stand there. And I think, uh, yeah, just probably one of the most recognisable sights in football for pe- people of, of our age, yeah. just the way he'd stand there, the feet apart. I mean, we've seen other players have their kind of trademarks as well. Mm. But that mm. one goes toe-to-toe with anything else. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I was quite lucky to go to into Miami earlier this year as well and I got to stand on David Beckham's pitch where he plays. Oh, and then yeah. on our lunch break, when everyone was going off to lunch, I stayed there with my friend and I was like, nah, you've got to take, me, take some pictures of me posing like David Beckham taking a corner. <laughs> so I put the arm out, rocked back, yeah. got ready to yeah. do the whole the whole shebang and I loved it I was like no one's on the pitch we got to just stand by the corner flag which was fine by me and I was like I'll happily take that and that's something yeah. that I always love because I'm like going on the football pitch pretending to be David Beckham for someone of my era not just a Man United fan but someone in England watching that that's what you go to that's what that's your kind of run up that you go to for a free kick and something that I've always enjoyed doing and even since I've been injured and I've been playing foot golf this summer as well anyone listen do follow us and do watch our foot golf videos as well I've been doing the David Beckham pose and doing my long range passing. So I've been loving it as well. It's the go-to for me, which has been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. I think if you were to rescind football down to symbolism, you know, like there were those drawings in caves they found, let's say aliens found planet earth and they asked us to sum up football. I think if you were only able to draw five things, you'd maybe draw the world cup, but one of them would be the Beckham free kicks. And I think it's that preeminent and he sort of read into that celebrity cultural footballer which has good and bad points but Beckham is like a, a seminal player in the history of football and also like a real baller in Serie A as well that's something people forget baller and he wasn't there for a paycheck as well in AC Milan as well who's there doing the business who's there turning up on his debut winning 5-2 I think in one of the games which was fantastic to see and helping mm. them in their Champions League campaign which is really good to see as well going forward so yeah, also, really. by Go the way, it. you know, at times you play central midfields, Pirlo, Seydorf, and Beckham spraying balls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus, that's but, like... and the first season, Kaka in front of them as well, riding oh. onto him as well. Oh my god, let's not talk about Inzaghi and his horrible finishing, but that's fine. But like, that aesthetically is about as good as it gets, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, I think they had Giardino, Giardino in front as well at the time, so that would have been good. And obviously, Ronaldinho being there would have been insane oh, to see how they Ronaldinho did that. as well. Old Ronaldo. Oh, oh. Ronaldo knew, but did he win the Serie A? Am I going to leak no, it? Uh, he did win it. He did win it. Ronaldinho. Exactly, exactly. Ronaldo. Just getting people's hopes up there as well. Um, <laughs> but no, we've only got two picks left each, so um, we're going to wrap up the podcast within the next 10, 15 minutes or so. So there'll be We've, talk, we've talk, spoken about some big players as well. So I need you guys to finish off with your last two picks. I won't introduce, introduce uh, I won't interrupt, even if there's a player that I think you've picked that I can steal. I won't steal them at all. So, um, okay. Paul, we'll start with you. If you had to pick one player for your team, consisting of Edwin van der Sar, Yapstam, and Zico, 
Who are you going for? Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to pick the other kind of midfield player and then I want Lewis to finish with the striker, okay? Because then I'll leave him with a nice selection. I'm really torn between the midfielders. There's two I've got that I can't decide between. But I'm going to go for someone from, from the golden era. Of, yeah, man. Of I'm going to take it back. The other one was yeah. a more modern one. I'm going to take it back. And a player everyone will know from his latter work in the Premier League but a player I know from being an Inter player, it's Yuri Djokaev. Now, this guy, man, at Inter from 96 to 99, he was such, such yeah. a baller. Like, I think um, he actually scored, I think, about 30 goals in his, in his time there. And I think in about 90 games. So, you know, a one in three ratio for an attacking midfielder in a team which was hard to even get into the team was uh, is impressive mm. and particularly his first season there he was actually Amazing. outstanding like really really outstanding if you've never seen Djokovic play he's quite hard to describe really not his position is quite undefined he's kind of he's like, like a, a he's like a Griezmann style player isn't he yeah but then he would also sometimes end up playing wide yeah like Griezmann but then he'd play in that France national team where Zidane was the 10. So Jorgev would be like a kind of more Scotland player, a bit deeper. But yeah, really, really technical, really versatile. And Amazing. scored one of the great Serie A goals. I don't know if you've ever seen this. <laughs> against Roma. The kind of a oh, side, oh, side oh, overhead. That must have been in like 97, I would estimate. Nice. And um, yeah, it's one of the all-time goals. And then as his time there went on... Um, as we said, Inter were just buying people. And when they bought the aforementioned Ronaldo and it just kind of eventually squeezed Djokovic out of the team. But he's a proper streets will never forget player. One of those guys like a kind of a Djokovic or like a Van der Vaart or um, not like, he is a Djokovic, like a, like a Hadji or a Van der Vaart, those kind of guys who are all kind of so amazing, so amazing to watch and so elusive and often seem to end up getting squeezed out, but you just have so much love for them. So yeah, Yuri's my guy. I love that choice, man. I love that choice, man. Yuri Djokovic, he, he, I don't know, he had his own imagery, didn't he? Like he, he's kind of an iconic player in his own way, but also maybe the first player we've had that his defining years also in Serie A. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, that was his absolute peak. Probably the only player who, yeah, he was um, really underrated, really quality as well. He was a real shutler, I think you'd describe him as. He was part of that side, like you said, with Ronaldo, Makoba, or you know my thoughts on Makoba. Incredible. I think he's. Was Zamorano a- there as well? Yes, yes, yes. He might need to be picked in a minute. We'll have to the see. The one plus eight one. Oh, yes. Ronaldo came in. Yes. You killed me because I was pondering him, but I'm not going to go for it anymore. I'm going to keep it as a plot twist. <laughs> Zamorano, Jesus. But Yorkaev was like what they needed as well, where he was like, they had all this style. You know, when you look at PSG now and you think the front three, how are they going to press? How are they going to trap back? Inter had Yorkaev, which meant they had the quality going forward, but they also had the ability to actually cover for someone like Ronaldo. You know, he was like a, let's say Ronaldo was a Rolls Royce. Jorge was like a sort of Range Rover. You know what I mean? He was like a real, real sort of classy player. A great choice, actually, because he's someone who no one really knows about. But Jorge was amazing. 
and one of that Bolton breed of players as well that came through later on. Yeah, classic times, man. Yeah, amazing player. I mean, for anyone in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s, he's seared into your consciousness. Amazing. And if it's not, not, make sure you don't remember him just by being a Bolton player. So do your research (laughs) on this one as well. He was really good there. Yeah, he was. He was at him and and JJ were the two who really excelled even there. Yeah, Hierro as well. Hierro at Bolton was amazing for a year. I think that's a superb shout. And I didn't think about him, but I think that I I think that's a great shout. I think it's an amazing shout. Lewis, who are we finishing off with then? Let's look, let's make that team confirm. We've got Van der Sar, we've got Yapstam, Yuri Jorkayev, we've got Zico. Have we got a number nine up there to to look at destroying my team that I have as well? So let's see if you can get the right bagsman up front. Well, I feel like I can't compete with Ronaldo. And the name I really did think about actually was Burkamp, but I'm not going to go for him. Nah. I've been a kid and... He was on my list as well, so I escaped one there. You're not picking it. I know you're not picking him. You're nah, not picking nah, him. Nah, nah, I know nah, you're not picking him. We don't have any Gooners on this team anyway. <laughs> nah. Oh, is that right, Paul? What about yes. Yapsan's loan spell there when he was 49? <laughs> uh, anyway... Okay, now nah, I'm not doing that because he was. I'm gonna go because I'm down with the kids. I keep it real. I keep it raw. I'm gonna go for a more modern player, actually. Kiro Immobile. There's a player who. I don't know what you think about that, Paul. I know that it, it's not the pick I was gonna make because I also thought Zamorano, who was a baller, uh, but Kiro Immobile. Goals talk. And for the last five or six years, he's scored the most goals in Serie A. You think Ronaldo, you think of people like that. No, 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 no. In Ronaldo's best year, Immobile still was top scorer. Italy's had this history of this with players like Dario Hovner, Luca Toni, people you wouldn't expect to have scored so many goals. Oh, could have picked either of them, man, as well. Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. listen. Luca Toni won the league. Pepe Signori. Oh. Pepe Signore. Did Luca Tony win the league? Did he win at Juventus on a little spell? Juventus on his little spell. Yeah. So I'm going to go for Immobile. I think he's been the best striker in Serie A over the last 15 years, I'm going to actually say. Wow. He's, who's been better? Name me a player who, who's been better consistently over the last 15 years as a goal scorer. Maybe Di Natale, but I would go for Immobile. I think he's kind of slept on as well. I don't think anyone gives him the, his flowers that he deserves. Uh, Immobile is averaging about 20 goals a season for the last couple of years. He's constantly, even last season, he scored 23 goals. This is unbelievable. You know, this is peak on levels of goals that he's scoring. And I think the Serie A, he sums up Serie A to me as well, where it's not as good anymore. It's not as interesting. It's not as... It's not a star field. And I think Immobile sums it up for me where he's scoring like buckets of goals, but yet he's not really loved. You know, he's not really thought of in the way that someone like Yorke of is. So I'd go for Immobile. Goals talk and he's the best at it that Serie A has seen. His goal scoring record is the same as Shevchenko's. His goal scoring record is the same as Ronaldo's. It's undoubtable. His goal scoring record is the same as Ibrahimovic's. It's undoubtable. He's probably the best striker that's been in Serie A for the last 15 years consistently. My opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, 15 years is a long time. I'd have to go back through the archives and work it out. But he is undeniable in the last in the last kind of six years. Definitely, he's been always up there. I would probably would have gone for Antonio Di Natale just because I love the fact that his name yeah. is is uh, Tony Christmas if he was an English player, and I yeah, think that's yeah. very important. But yeah, yeah Immobile, undeniable. And um, funny player who, um, when you see him play, is a also, you said about him following a sort of Italian striker dynasty. It reminds me in some ways of, oh, he's a different type of player. It reminds me of Inzaghi in the way that you watch him and you think, like, he doesn't look good at all, this guy. But then his actual, his record and uh, what he's actually done mm-hmm. is undeniable. So, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a good option for this team. He's not as good as Ronaldo, but let's let's we're not gonna find him. Nah, anymore, so. But he scores as many goals as Ronaldo, unbelievably. <laughs> and also, I like to think his name in English is probably something like Carly Mobile. I like yeah. I like the fact yeah. that he's like some sort of not really doesn't really move a lot and his name's immobile. I don't know, mm. that has nice phonetics to it. But yeah, I know he's not a very popular choice. I just thought I'd just kind of go for <laughs> a really, really Italian choice. And I think Immobile is like the Inzaghi of his time, but with buckets of goals. The amount of goals he scored, check it out. It's, it's, it's remarkable, actually. Top score in Serie A the last 10 years has only been here for six years. You know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, Immobile was someone who went over to Borussia Dortmund and didn't have the best of times there. And that's kind of why you see a lot of Italian players when they always go abroad, they rather love it there or they hate it and they move straight back to Italy. But he came back to Italy with a vengeance and he became like... Lewis just said one of the most amazing goal scorers we've seen in modern football as well. And you can mm. almost uh, liken it to Harry Kane at Spurs, just being that guy season in season out to rely upon as well. But um, just in terms of goal scoring, that's how you rely upon as well. Because Lazio, as we all know, used to be a, a much bigger team than they are now. And it's just one of those things that Immobile definitely deserved. From from the list that I've seen, he's someone that definitely deserved the, the Scudetto by now as well, because he's done so well. And we're going to stay in Rome for my choice, for one of my choices, still in this uh, Olympic Stadium. We're going to the, the Roma side as well. And someone who I need in this team, because if we are going to play five-a-side football, I'm not going to go for a goalkeeper because there's no compete with Van der, Edwin van der Sar. Got my man David Beckham there, spraying passes through to Ronaldo. Got Cannavaro holding it down at the back. I need a destroyer. I need someone who, if they are going to be beating Cannavaro in the air, if they are going to be beating uh, him no, going forward, I've got to go my guy, Daniele De Rossi. Mm-hmm. Daniele De Rossi is someone who, another person who doesn't get his flowers because when you see him on social media every now and then, it'll be like, never forget when Daniele De Rossi tattooed this onto his leg. And you're like, mm. come on, man, show the guy some respect. Just like how Paul's got a Roma shirt on today for people watching this um, podcast back as well, wearing a Roma shirt, yeah. show the respect to um, what Roma have done in the Serie A league as well. And, there's so many players that can go through in Roma um, in their history. Ludovic Juli, Tadai, Mancini was one that didn't want. Perotta was one I was Mancini kind of... Mancini won it. Mancini won it, didn't he? Not Mancini. Roberto Mancini, the winger Mancini. Oh! Oh, that little guy. He was a G, guy. wasn't he? Yeah. Brazilian. Fuck that guy. Brazilian one. Fuck yeah. that guy. <laughs> that guy with the step-overs on the Champions League intro. What a guy he was. Um, but yeah, yeah, Perotta was another one I was looking at. Um, Vucinic as well, another player from Roma. Mm. So mm. I've got that right kind of blend and I'm going. I'm trying to go as diverse as possible for this one. So uh, Daniele De Rossi, what a guy for me to choose in this team and someone who can break up play and look at the kind of guys you've got in your team. Jorkaev, Zico in midfield. If I can get someone to stop them ticky-tackering it about and 
dropping a shoulder, it's got to be Daniel De Rossi for me. So, um, Let's get on him. Let's put Stam on him, don't we? Stam versus De Rossi, that's about we would love to see. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. But then we might have a problem with Ronaldo getting free, so we better not do that, actually. Mm, that's that's yeah. part of my tactical genius right there. So I needed it in there, <laughs> which is good. But no, Daniel De, De Rossi, I think he was one of those... Such a, we don't see many of those anymore. Those loyal players, one club man's that type of guy who just lives, dies and breathes by his club's badge. And mm-hmm. that's what I love and respect about him as well. And when you're seeing some of these players go, like we said at the beginning of the podcast and in the middle, going from club to club to club, Daniel De Rossi was just like his teammate, Francesco Totti, just a one club man, just staying there, live and die by it. And I really respect that because it goes to show that at the end of his career, people respect it even more than him going to another club looking for glory. He could easily have gone for another club and gone to, gone for glory as well. And it goes to show how well, again, may not have got the glory, but he got glory from the rest of the city in Rome, from the red side indeed. Which is this, the can, I, can I just say, is this the first Roma player that we've had on? That's nuts because there was loads of contenders from Roma. Yeah. When I think of nearly, nearly comers, or is that a word? Nearly comers? That's what my girlfriend calls me. Uh, and when I think of like, sort of people running up and sort of, a club that should have won more is Roma. Neangalan, yeah. they've had like unbelievable players and not mm. won anything. Mohamed Salah. Salah being another one. Yeah. Yes, he's very, he probably should be in yeah. the team really. Yeah, he should. Oh, he should. no, no, I've got, I've got some other wingers I want to throw in for my last one. So Mohamed Salah, okay. I'll okay. leave him out because I think I've got one or two better ones. But you'd like, just like you said, Lewis, as well, Roma are a team that mm. you think with Jose Mourinho at the helm yeah. now, they may have got a good balance in terms of the experience of the manager, the youthful exuberance of some of the players and some of these players who you think can actually take them one step further. And winning the Conference League last season as well was incredible for them because you never really see Roma in these cup finals anymore. Um, Like we, probably not used to, but we used to see them go far in tournaments at least. And that's something that I really enjoyed watching last season as well because their fans were really enjoying it. Their highlights recently in European football have been that comeback against Barcelona as well and that 7-1 defeat to Man United a couple 2007 oh, yeah. as well yeah, so yeah. good side there as well they've had the highs and the lows in that team they had uh, mm. Chivu in there as well what a player he oh. was with the left yeah. footed um, Mexes Mexes well, yeah. well. their their league winning team is another one you could reel off the whole lineup if you're like me and Lewis you can just mm. say who would have been playing for certain and uh, was Batis Hughes uh, in that team yeah, yeah. oh yeah most certainly oh, was one of the few players that could have cancelled out Ronaldo, Batistuta would have stayed at Fiorentina. My now God. you know I said the ones who didn't win the league because I need yeah, to get Ronaldo yeah, and Beckham yeah. in that same team together. Yeah. Did Ronaldo and Beckham play together at AC Milan? Yeah, they did. The same yeah. Time? I think they played for about six months together. Yeah, but obviously more significantly at Real, but they mm. were both there at AC. Like, hey, 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 hey. We're, doing, we're doing what people do with De Rossi and we're starting to talk about players. Yeah, yeah, no, De Rossi was a soldier. Gladiator. The Rossi syndrome. I think the Rossi just gets forgotten about a little bit. You know when you said about Ronaldo being the, the answer to this? De Rossi is the only player that sort of comes to our mind in the same breath as Ronaldo. What a servant and actually what a player. What a good player. He went through so many cycles with, uh, with Roma as well. That's something. He was like that ever-present. If you look at their sides, they've had a lot of really fun teams under Ranieri, under Spalletti, uh, even under Zeman, I think, for a while. Who was and what's guy? his name as well? Um, the French manager they had also. They had oh, a good side under. Uh, oh, my God. What's his face? The Lyon, the Marseille manager. I can't and remember his name. But I can't was, remember uh, his name. He, they had a good run with him. But the Rossi was like their store and their ambassador and the representative. Uh, and him and Totti, 
that was like the Roman axis. That was Romulus and Remus, wasn't it? That was mm -hmm. what they were at their core. And Roma had this special pull about certain few players. Uh, De Rossi was a magnificent player as well. A magnificent player. A real breakup, breakup of, of sort of Gattuso and Verratti in one player. What a what a brilliant player and what a what a good choice as well. A logical choice actually. A player who had a lot to his game as well, and a player who looked amazing with a beard and was all tattooed and hard. Where am I going with this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, great choice, great choice, and and a logical choice. A brilliant player, and and shout out Roma as well. They yeah, should have won yeah. a lot more, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So Hams, you going for no keeper, are you, for this lineup? Yeah. So um, that is I, crazy. I, what are they teaching you? What do you mean? What are they teaching me? This is my rule. <laughs> this is yeah, I'll go Mata stuff. This is we've got rush goalkeeper at. We have rush goalkeeper. No, I know you mentioned Roma. Um, you'll probably hate me for not choosing Allison, but Allison again being a keeper at, at Roma as well. Paul's nodding his head, he's like, Yeah, you could have gone for Allison. So I'm like <laughs> Could have uh, gone for him, but I, I was thinking of Handanovic. He would have been a good keeper to have, but he won the league quite yeah, recently did, as well, yeah. so he would have been good. I'm not going to go for Donnarumma. That's why I'm like, I don't want to go for a keeper who will then just look bad on paper against Edwin van der Sar. It goes to who, show how who, well... Hold on. Who was the name you put up earlier? Marchetti. Marchetti, yeah. That's yeah. a shout. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm looking at my five-a-side, and this is why we do difference in five-a-sides and six-a-sides. So six-a-sides are kind of ones where we do on our podcast where... You can get the extra guy and you can have a bit of fun with it. But the yeah. fiver sides are a lot more serious because you're kind of there thinking, this is how people are going to go between one another. And I'm kind of looking like if I've got one of my five players as Marchetti versus Van der Sar, and we're yeah. putting this out on a poll on social media, Shit in the bag, I've got 10% of the votes on there. So I'm I'm saying <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. So Alisson would have been a really good shout. And um, even someone like Strakowska at Lazio, he's a decent oh, oh, have, but... Shout out if you want a goalkeeper, Sebastian Frey as well. Oh, oh. yeah, he's an OG. Oh, Did yeah. he not win it at Palmer? Yeah, no, they... no, 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 never won it. No, no, they never won it. Absolutely. So who's oh, it going to be then? Who's your last man, Hans? Oh, this is going to be difficult, but it's going to be quite fun because I've got my whole list here. Um, going to roll them all out and I'm going to see which one of them makes you wince. So react properly to this one as well. I'm, right. not, going to, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just... All right, so we've got Edison Cavani, we've got Mauro Icardi, we've got Giuseppe Rossi, we've got Frank Ribéry, we've got Koulibaly, we've got Merkel, oh, we've got Giuseppe Rossi. Giuseppe Rossi at... Um, <laughs> Fiorentina as well. He did yeah, really yeah. well. Yeah. What, what is that? Yeah. Is that so Koulibaly, Mertens, Insigne, mm -hmm. Hamshik as well. What a play. Oh, yeah, big, big time. Um, what do I need in this team? I've got a centre-back, got a holding mid. I, I don't have four free midfielders in there, so I might go for Don't put striker. Rossi in. Don't put Rossi in, man. That's a mad shout. That's unbelievable. That is the most controversial thing on this thing, and we could get sued for this part. Giuseppe Rossi himself would be like that. Don't go for me. That's a joke. Yeah, that's a joke. Because I could even go for Diego Forlan as well, unless Diego Forlan won it. I don't think he did win it. Nah, he didn't, Milan. Yeah. didn't win it. He, he, won it. Ibrahimovic he's a, won it. He's a passenger that won it. Yeah, he's, he's had better days at different clubs as well. But that's kind of why we're kind of doing it. Because David Beckham, if we're, if I'm going by my own logic, was only there for three months, no, two times a year. He was really good. He was. He's pretty legit, to be honest. By that logic, I think I've got to go for Frank Ribery. Uh, Rivery was either. sick. Like Rivery was sick there. I yeah. think. I think for me, the other names you said there um, is. I listen ones... back to it as well. That's where we hear. Can the I ask? Can I ask a question though, 
Are mm. these players playing each other in their Serie A form? Yes. No, 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 no. I just thought um, in their prime form. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. I don't know then. You know what I mean? Okay. That's mm. why that's why that reverse psychology worked for me, but the, the names mm. have been Yeah, well, I mean I'm I'm Roberto yeah. Carlos is another one as well, isn't yeah. he? If you're talking about yeah. it like them ways. But yeah. I think I think those Napoli guys you said about uh Hamsik, Cavani and Mertens, they're real Ooh. real Serie A legends. Those three. The Bali the, as well. Oh, oh god. Cavani oh. as well. People forget yeah. how well he did as a Napoli striker oh. and how well he did getting them into the Champions League as well, which is fantastic. So big shout mm. out to him before his move to PSG. Mm. Di as you mentioned as well, what a player for Udinese. He's a fantastic player. Did Rivaldo win uh, Serie A? Yeah, yeah, he didn't and, really deserve anything either, but he did win it, didn't he? And did Ronaldinho win as well? Yes, 2011 he did, yeah. 2011, 2011 he did. That's 2011. fine. And we know Adriano's won it as well, so I can't go for one of the Brazilians for the partnership. So we'll end it with Frank Ribéry, because Frank Ribéry is someone who gets forgotten about quite easy as well in terms of some of the greatest modern players, modern wings that we've seen. He gets mm. mentioned with uh, Ian Robin as well. So I'm just kind of there like, Nah, I don't want him to be robbery. I want him to be Frank Ribery. So, mm. Ribery, Ronaldo, Beckham, De Rossi, Cannavaro. Thanks it's a ridiculous team, to be honest. Like, uh, mm. Cannavaro and Ronaldo are absolutely outstanding. Um, Cannavaro, controversial. You've got a controversial team, I'd say, Anne. There's controversy yeah. running through your side. Yeah. Just like Serie A would want as well. Yeah, yeah. This it's is. just how we sum up Serie A in that respect as well, which is great. So oh. I was just really happy to see Frank Ribery in Serie A uh, recently as well. Fiorentina, he didn't go to someone who... Salernitana, to... don't forget that as well. He had a little spell at Salernitana. Really? Yeah, he was at Salernitana for... Was that, that before his Marseille or Galatasaray days? No, no, uh, no, no. It was after. After, so even yeah. more recently as well. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know they were in a Serie A, so that's the... He, was, he, he was great for Fiorentina, though. he really was. You know what I would say about that period of Fiorentina as well? If we're going for prime, it's one of the best shouts on the whole lot. He's one of the best players in the list. He's... Keep going. All right. You know, in his prime, he's one of the best of the lot. But what I would say about Fiorentina Ribery, he was good. Very good. And he was like, it was a really fun move. But Fiorentina under him, as his, was one of their best players. They were appalling like they they were really bad like they were close to relegation for a while i agree with it though on prime Ribery is better than your kf to be honest but hmm. yeah yeah i think so i think so and i think Ribery is better than griezmann i think Ribery would probably get in a, a france team by lifetime uh as a player as well he has something slightly different he's quite an old-fashioned winger isn't he and i think that would fit in with the side really well he's not necessarily explosive he's more technical and more sort of sort of perfect really as far as that his Fiorentina spell though like i said i would not have picked him for my side i would have probably gone for mertens over him as far mm. as as a Serie A player in that position but as a player one of the best players to watch, and your team be good to watch as well. Yeah, best thing with this great. team as well, it's a street team Ronaldo oh. on the street, Ribery on the street, De Rossi so on the street. Is this in a cage? Is this in a cage? We could do it like one of your Nike adverts there, Lewis. So, like, you know how you had the free oh, yeah. cage on the cargo ship, yeah. but now it's 5v5 on a cargo ship. 
It's good as well because Yapstam probably should be in a cage most of the time. So like uh, that works for our team as well. You know, he what puts I mean? most of his attackers in cages all game. So oh, nice, <laughs> very, very nice. Uh, very I get that. I get that. Nice. Yeah, that was nice. nice. You led right, me in well, really well there as well, which is good. oh, thanks, man. Thanks. We we mentioned this before the pod. All right, can I just ask? Well, are we having a manager for this? Side? Is there a manager from Serie? A? No, no, no. Where are the managers? We're the managers. Okay. Nice one. Football managers paid off. This is our moment. Yeah, man. I'm going to negotiate a contract and some of them are not going on pre-season. But our team, I think we'd have a good chance, but I like your side as well. I think yeah. I think nice balance, nice symmetry between the teams. I think the MVP of this side, though, would be Van der Sar because he's, he can pass as well. And then and Ham doesn't even go keeper, so we have got an advantage yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, and we've got a goal hanger as well who can stand in the goal in Immobile. Yeah. I've got I've got one of the greatest strikers I've ever seen in my lifetime in our line. So against Van der Sar, I think if there are many players who haven't won the league at Syria, I think I've got a good chance of having our line up front. So I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing how it is. So, so what's the final lineups? Can we just roll through the final? Absolutely. Lineup? So for my final lineup, we're starting with Fabio Cannavaro as our sweeper defender. Let's say rush keeper, rush rush keeper, rush keeper in in a way, which is quite good. Then we've got our midfield of. Uh, holding in the middle, we've got Daniele De Rossi. On the right-hand side, we've got my guy David Beckham, my background for this uh, podcast as well. On the left, we've got someone who, again, riddled in controversy, but this has been a controversial podcast, so I don't want to get more um, counts against this episode, but we're just going to talk to him about how beautiful Frank Ribery was as a winger, so Frank Ribery, and one of the most gracious strikers I've ever seen in my yeah. lifetime in oh, R9, best, Ronaldo. Best of the lot, the best of the lot. And to face my team, we have some incredible plays and some plays that I learned a lot about today, which is mostly thanks to Paul and Lewis. So thank you very much for that, the both of you. We will start with Van der Sar in goal. So R9 has a tricky goalkeeper to face off against. We then have Yap Stam, like we talked about cages, but this guy is going to be locked in a cage playing against some of these players who can who will take to the cage, which will be great. Now we have... Yeah, we who have we got? We've got Zico in your midfield as well. Yeah. We've got Yuri Jorkaev. Jorkaev. Exp- uh, that was the blunder of a spell. I didn't spell that properly, but I'll know later yeah. on how to Google his name properly. Yuri, I should have just typed down, but Yuri Jorkaev and Zico. I'm guessing they'd be having that free role in that five-a-side team, mm-hmm. Lewis, right? Yeah. I would put, I'd also put Jorkaev to Man Mark Ribery as well. I reckon, mm-hmm. I reckon that'd be my little tactical tweak. Yeah. That's the, that's, they were so close as well in terms of their, their team because I think Yorkaev was in that 98 World Cup squad and yeah, Ribery's yeah, in the yeah. 2006 one. But was Yorkaev in the 2002 squad as well? Or I don't think so. Squad? He was in Euro 2000, but I don't think he would have made 2002 quite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would estimate. I don't remember we, that in the part. Can we just sort of have a random shout out for how France, for every generation, has just produced a really cool winger? You've had Ginola, Yorkaev. Then you've gone on to Ribery, and then you've gone on to Griezmann, and now you can have your pick. That's so cool mm. about France. Yeah. Excuse me, but I need to say with France's generations as well, their attackers in general mm. have been nothing short of iconic as well. It's not just their wingers. You can look at their attackers. Like I was thinking Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry didn't win Serie A, did he? So I was thinking Thierry Henry and Ronaldo would have been... No, like, that's true. Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know if he would have... Probably not, because he would have been around... He, so is that Juventus for a season or two? I don't think he won. That's yeah. such a good point. I don't think he did either. I think he went. I didn't even think about it. AC Milan won it at 98-99. He did mm. win the Champions League. Oh, we Bugs could have had three instead of 
Immobile. What? <laughs> Jesus. Nah. Imagine, um, no, no. I've, I made the worst mistake. Imagine Henri and Ronaldo up front. Yeah. I'm we, winning that 100%. Uh, to, be, to be fair, I still think Zico would open up your sides in a way you'd never seen before. <laughs> fancy Zico to do in a vintage way as well. Yeah. It's a shame we've only got a cheer up front to, yeah. to finish it off. But it's yeah. all right. That's yep. why I do five asides when I do against other people because six asides are too easy. You could easily throw T. Aaron Reed in there, but that's why you have to be critical of who you want. And this is why um, we are where we are. Zico, Jokaev, Immobile up front, Yatsam oh, at the back. I wish I had chosen him. <laughs> the, best, the best thing is when this goes out online as well, and when this podcast yeah. comes out, we'll be laughing at it, listening back. We'll just be like, what the hell, man? Yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to this. Henri, Henri, Henri. The worst thing was, you mentioned Burkham. You mentioned Burkham, and that triggered nah, Henri. Nah, 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 nah. I don't want Burkham. No, you uh, mentioned Burkham, but it triggered Henri yeah. in my mind. I, like, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. I actually want Zamorano more than... More, yeah, more. it should have been Ivan Zamorano as well. Man. You definitely should have put him in as well. He would yeah. have been I was trying to be player. cool. I was trying to be down with the kids, and it didn't pay off. It didn't pay off, man. Down with the kids would have been Cavani. That would have been a down with or Mertens I, even. I, I, I know. Yeah. I thought about both of them. I thought about both of them. I should have gone for Duvin Zapata, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Carlos Backer. Oh, yes. Nice. Carlos Backer, man. That's a good shout. Good striker. It was when yeah. in the banter era of AC Milan, I think, but he's pretty good. Still yeah. scoring goals, which was decent to see. Um, and I've got as well, Hamza, I've got to shout you out some of the players. You said Marchetti, Giuseppe Rossi, man. I mean, that's amazing. I don't know what you're doing, man. That is like, what are they doing in this list, man? They were the backups, my backups, my backups. So yeah. that's what I was like, yeah. And if that's you remember at the beginning of the podcast as well, I was like, you were going to do individual teams and now I'm waiting you do one team. So I was like, just in case you pick all of the players yeah, that I picked. Yeah. Now I've got well, backups and my backups as well. So I was like, yeah, it, it'll Fair. be pretty good. But before we wrap up the podcast and before I let you shout out your page, I just wanted to ask you, Paul, I've mentioned this to you as well. Would you like to do a part two of this for another league later on in the year? So around October time, we could do like a Bundesliga type thing or we could do a even a World Cup type thing as well, which could be an option. Yeah, that sounds good, man, because it's been really great being on here, speaking to you again and nostalgia, making us feel old and being able to enjoy that. And there's, I don't know if we've got quite as much depth knowledge of Bundesliga. Well, I know, in fact, that we don't, but I still would love to do it because it's been a pleasure being on there. So that'd be great. That's absolutely fine. Don't worry. I'm only doing leagues that I tend to care about. So Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga, but Serie A is the top of my list. And obviously the Premier League is quite easy to do because anyone can Google that within five minutes and everyone knows Mm -hmm. who hasn't won it. So I'd rather not do the Premier League. And it challenges us in different ways, which I thought was quite refreshing in a way than just kind of just talking about things that we already know. So... We don't have to do things like the French League or the Dutch League, even just like the main kind of other leagues that I discussed as well. And like I said, with the World Cup coming up, we can do more of these conversations and go a bit more nostalgic as well, which would be fantastic. What do you think, Lewis? Yeah, I mean, you said the Premier League, like I said, the Scottish Premier League, the Welsh Premier League, I'll be up for both of them. Uh, can also do the Premier League if you want. Mexican Premier League, don't forget that. Premier oh, Liga. man, shotgun Hugo Sanchez. Uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, I'd love to do it. I really enjoy it. I'd love to do it. And uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure, man. It's been yeah, a lot been. of fun, actually. It's been really good fun. Where can everyone listen to you? If they wanted to get in touch with you guys and they wanted to get in touch for a conversation or even learn about what you kind of do on your podcast channels, why don't you summarise your podcast in 30 seconds for us then? 
um, how people can get in touch and listen to yours. All right. You want me to go, Lewis? Why are you doing the eyebrows like that? Why are you close your eyes again? He always closes his eyes. When he says it, he's, he's like that, looking up at the sky. He's ready. That's what it is. Yeah. It's his Knock game face. Knock yourself out. Or the anesthetic face. I don't know which one. Yeah. Is a game You're face. 10 seconds in already, so you've got 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, My Football Heroes podcast, what we do every week on most weeks is we have a different guest to come and talk about their five football heroes and one football villain. And we've had amazing guests from the likes of Hams to many different journalists, uh, authors, coaches, comedians. And they've come on and spoke to us about their football heroes and why they love them so much. And also a villain who they hate but rate. And we've also got a new kind of series coming soon, which is going to be a number of different documentaries about different aspects relating to football heroes. And you can also find that on i think on any of your podcast streaming sites definitely on spotify that's where i listen to it when i listen back to myself like a very uh, self-indulgent man and then you can also find us on instagram at my football heroes and that's something that i'll leave in the description below as well and with this new series that you've got coming up is it in terms of their scandals that these players have gone into so you kind of given us a teaser trailer um, earlier in this conversation as well, Paul, because that was what was happening. There will be some scandals. There's some, some quite kind of a diverse range of stories, I would say. Um, mm. And we're going to try and put the kind of series together before we start putting them out. They might be a kind of monthly side dish to our, our bread and butter of the heroes Football. lists. Football's a story, isn't it? This has been a story. This episode's been a story. These stories are stories about football and they're going to cover a lot of Really weird stuff, actually, at times. They're going to yeah. give them proper weird shit. They are. That's, that's what we need. We, we can't be watching social media pages going on about the same thing again and again. And again, we need to have these conversations over the Zoom or in person about how well some of these players were, how well some of these players went through their career. So it needs to be said and needs to be done as well. But um, I just want to say to both of you, Paul and to Lewis, thank you very much for your time today um, on this evening as well. Um, as you all know, I'll probably tell you both off air, but as everyone's kind of been listening as well, you all know that I've been in Italy, so I needed to have an Italian-themed uh, conversation this week. So I hope everyone's enjoyed our content that we've got um, coming up for you next week as well, because it'll be quite fun, it'll be quite refreshing, and hopefully we'll be, be getting to have more conversations with Paul and Lewis over the rest of the season ahead. But everyone, thank you very much for listening. Do check out My Football Hero podcast in the description below. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>